Nutrition is remarkable in its ability to have people with completely opposite views saying they have science to support completely opposite views. Frustrating, isn't it? What are we supposed to believe? Welcome to Dynamism Biohacking. My name is Dr. Matt Hammett, wellness and nutrition expert, lifestyle trainer, and movement enthusiast. And each week, I'm going to share with you how to make the right nutritious choices despite conflicting expert opinions, where I help you to discover how to unlock your inner aborigine or your inner greatness. Thank you for spending this time with me today. So let's get into the training. Americans are living longer than ever before, they tell us. The human life expectancy is increasing and bearing unforeseen circumstances that we can expect to live a ripe old age. That is a ripe old calendar age because our life expectancy has increased, but the quality of our life and our health has not. Wouldn't you agree? You know, the United States continues to be one of the unhealthiest nations in the developed world. And most of us do not want to live to be 90. The last 30 years are filled with illness, disability, independence of family and nursing homes. We want to be able to play golf, take long walks and enjoy our families. We want those extra years to be quality years. Longer lives do not mean much if they're not active lives. And the quality of those years will largely be dictated by the choices we make in the preceding years. Choices designed to stave off the aging process. So here's the truth. We have a much better option while we are young to stay active, to move every 30 minutes in tiny ways and exercise all our lives. And in that way, we slow our biological aging process while we gain in chronological aging. It has little or nothing to do with genetics. Aging is caused by how well you live, how well you eat and move and think, connect and cope with the stressors throughout a lifetime. What I call the five pillars of a dynamic health. So, assuming that a person's entire life is written in the genes that they are born with has been a major flaw and a mistake in recent healthcare philosophy. The more we learn about genetics, our biological inheritance, the more we realize that for the most part, our lifestyle decisions and behaviors have far more impact on longevity and health than does our hereditary. A person's genes defines their basic biology, but health decisions and habits control the way genes will affect the body and health in general. Genes are unquestionable, the fundamental units by which our bodies are constructed. But pure genetic determination does not adequately explain the varied capabilities of our biology. The debate is over. No one well-versed in science is pretending to have this debate. Genes are environment. Environment, no question. So if we look at the new science, a more accurate view of the role of the genome is to see the genes as providing the overall plan 
for the developmental pathways. The environment to which the individual is exposed, how well or sick you express your five pillars of a dynamic health will modify the actual pathway. Again, a major reason I created the Dynamism Biohack Podcast where I train you on actualizing your health potential. And the major function of your genes is to transmit health in the inborn resolve to remember wellness. In the sickness paradigm, we're taught that disease-carrying genes determine our destiny. Again, this is a false view. If we were truly destined to live by our genes, we would suffer from the thousands of diseases experienced by our ancestors for as long as we lived, which would not be very long at all. America's wellness doctor, Ed Taub, says that disease-carrying genes are not our destiny because they must answer to our inner compass, our healing force. There was an article in Newsweek which reads, the environment in which you grow up is as important as your DNA in determining the person you become. Certain genes can lead to vulnerability, but not inevitability. See, it used to be thought that aging is the ticking away of some internal clock to a predetermined plan laid down in your genes. Dr. Leonard Hayflick, he's a noted research scientist, he grew human cells in tissue cultures, right? And he showed that they could subdivide to create new cells, but only for a limited number of times. And this term is called fibroblast replicative limit. Star Trek nerdy geeky here, but it appeared to show that the human cell has an inbuilt timer that eventually runs down, and the evidence looked good, and the study was repeated in several laboratories, but numerous scientists could not accept the aging clock theory. Why not? One person with tissue culture experiments is that you know, one problem with it is that the life of the cells is dependent upon the adequacy of their nutrition. So if there's even the slightest deficiency in the nutrient, the medium used to grow the cells or in the air, water, or temperature, or any of a hundred variables, then the cells will accumulate damage. Understand? So it's very easy to miss this. And again, manufacture false evidence. We're going to see this all the time, guys. This is why rotten animal science is always an anamorphic vision of the reality. Like your kid looking through that kaleidoscope. It's cool. It's colorful. Interesting to look at. But that's it, really. Let me give you an example. Since we began studying virtually most species on planet Earth, the last few years were especially mind-blowing. There's a term called species differentiation. In other words, there are vast differences in function and development amongst a whole host of things that we are only beginning to scratch the surface. And so far, we know there are species differences in anatomy, organ function, function and structure, toxin metabolism, chemical and drug absorption, and even the mechanisms of DNA repair. And again, among a whole host of other differences between human beings and other species. 
And it always gives us inadequate and mistakes information, you know, that we attempt to apply animal data to human diseases and drug responses. It's not working out. So in tissue cultures, where any such variable impacts the study, same thing, every successive cell division is then progressively impaired until the cells no longer replicate and dies. And these cells that die have nothing to do with an internal clock, but are caused by environmental impact. And also where most experts have dropped the ball, mechanical damage. So keep in mind, without movement, our cells can't get the right mechanoreceptive input into the cell, and it causes the cell to die. Remember, after just 30 minutes of immobility, all hell breaks through in our biology when we are in a waking state. So this idea that chronological aging is the same as biological age, it's pretty ridiculous. So how do we know all this? Well, there are two main lines of evidence. Let me cover that first. You know, though research shows that the average levels of many of the physical functions, you know, shows a progressive decline with age, but there's a wide variability within these age groups. Let me cover that, right? In other words, some of the individuals, though they show no decline at all, and we've, we've all seen videos of aging people doing, with six-pack abs, doing remarkable physical things. Right? Meaning that the chronological aging is not an inevitable cause of biological aging. Make sense? So often a person will blame a health condition, such as a bad shoulder, a bad knee, and on and on, on their age. But if age were to blame, then it would stand to reason that both shoulders and both knees would be degenerated and not just one limb. See, these problems are due to a cumulative, uncorrected joint stress and traumas resulting from immobile joints, not to the passage of time. And that's the truth. Look, the second line of evidence that aging is in fact degeneration caused by abnormal stress on joints, especially immobile joints, is the continuing discoveries that aging process previously considered natural do not occur at all in some human populations. Blood pressure, for example, right? It rises with age in the American population. And it used to be considered an inevitable part of aging. But science now knows, however, that there are numerous populations, mostly isolated from Western society, in which the elderly have the same blood pressure as the young. See, science has known that rising blood pressure is caused by a complex factors in the environment of Western society. So when members of populations migrate to Western society, that's us, the United States, their blood pressure begins to rise within a few years. Almost all the experts attribute this to the Western diet. While elements in the Western diet do contribute to it, it doesn't explain what happened to life expectancy to the Okinawans in Japan. You know Okinawa. The U.S. military bases arrived on the Okinawa Island after World War II. And most Japanese of the time, well, they slept on the floor. And NASA researchers found that the multiple times they need to stand up from these positions during the day, 
well, it kept them healthy. See, in the early 20th century, over 100,000 Okinawans moved to Brazil and they adopted the dietary habits of their new home. And in spite of sharing the same genes, the data from the over 100,000 Okinawans, it showed that their life expectancy was shortened by 17 years compared to their family relatives who stayed home back on that island. But it wasn't just the dietary changes that shocked NASA. It was the Western conveniences such as sitting in chairs instead of squatting and sitting on floors the way the Japanese do it. It was the Western beds instead of the floor mats. And NASA found that as Western chairs and beds flooded Japan, the level of diabetes flourished. The researchers from NASA, the stats says that one can almost predict the physical mobility of a society by the extent of squatting, kneeling, or floor sitting habits of its population. That's what they found. See, the largest military strike by the U.S. ever in history was during World War II on the Okinawan Island. And the landscape was totally destroyed. The Okinawans depended on the U.S. military base, fast, cheap Western food for survival. In fact, that continued for more than 50 years after the war. But again, what declined life expectancy wasn't just the Western foods. It was other lifestyle factors that decreased their daily intake of movement, like squatting, kneeling, and floor sitting. That tiny movement I always talk about. See, NASA found that 14 squats is equivalent to a 45-minute walk. So the landscape could not grow healthy vegetation after World War II toxins from the chemicals of the bombs on the soil. But that wasn't what did them in. NASA researchers found that it's the change of gravity compressing against the cells by the stimulation of neurons from the spinal motion, because that's the mechanism. It's not just the global spinal motion that, you know, most yoga teaches. Yes, that's part of it. But it's especially the segmental spinal motion that chiropractic science discovered over 100 years ago. Steve Jobs had it right when he removed all the furniture and chairs like the Okinawans, and it's time for us all to rethink chair. You know, osteoporosis is a major health concern for elderly, right? Especially for the Western women. However, elderly women in other cultures around the world don't suffer from osteoporosis and similar Western degenerative disorders. In fact, new research reveals that the immobile spinal joints in children past a half an hour causes the same adult changes plus a loss of bone density in children. Bone density is what they look at to determine if you have osteoporosis. So 30 minutes of immobility, despite the kids being active in contact sports, can cause bone density loss in other unrelated study on eight-year-old children across the United States using MRIs, well, it revealed signs of early degenerative disc disease in nearly half of our kids, a disease we used to get in our mid-30s, right? So we know that 10% of 10-year-olds today now have spinal decay. That's what the studies show. And that 40% of 20-year-olds today now have spinal decay. See, the problem is not just about lack of exercise. Movement transcends exercise. The exercise does not compensate for the time spent immobile. 
Spinal immobility is toxic to us past a half an hour. The truth is, time is not the enemy. The human body is an amazing collection of synergistic entities controlled by our central nervous system. The body is designed to be totally self-functioning and self-healing. We tend to think of healing when we suffer a cut on our finger or a broken bone. But healing is a constant process of replacing old cells with new cells. So let me give you an example. Red blood cells, right? They're replaced at a rate of about 100 billion a day with 1 trillion total red blood cells in constant circulation, right? And the body is constantly analyzing what is happening within the body, right? And what is happening in the environment outside the body. And it makes adaptive changes as necessary through the communication of your DNA and the brain. And aging can best be defined as the gradual loss of the body's ability to respond to that environment. Aging, per se, is not just the effects of chronological time, but also the abnormal stress we place on our body, which gradually breaks it down. So the major culprit for abnormal stress is not what you think. It's not just the overuse issue, the repetitive injury stuff we all got taught. It is much more about the underuse issue, the joint immobility issue. If you don't use it, you lose it issue in our culture today. And this is caused by a number of other things, including physical inactivity, chemical pollution, and neurological and pastoral stress. But it's the tiny spinal movement that counts most. See, the human body is designed to move. The technological age of labor-saving devices and sedentary living often detracts from the biological necessity for movement. Our inner aborigine demands it of us every day. Disuse is deadly. Many degenerative diseases plaguing Americans have a portion of their roots in sedentary, inactive, and immobile lifestyles. And some research suggests as much as 50% of the decline in physiological functioning like weak muscles, stiff joints, low energy levels, it's actually due to disuse and not a normal consequence of age. You may find it shocking to hear of a study in chiropractic that just one adjustment strengthens muscle to what three weeks of weight training can do. And when you understand the biochemistry and the mechanical cueing our brain and cells require from movement, I'm not shocked at all. I get it. You know, the former Surgeon General recently stated, he said that more people die of a sedentary lifestyle than from smoking. You may have heard the new expression that sitting is the new smoking. I've rewritten it. What sitting is to the spine Cancer is to the cell. Without movement, you could not sustain life. Blood cells that don't move cannot transport oxygen. Lungs that don't move can't breathe. Hearts that don't move can't pump blood. And spines that don't move can't create the motion required for proper joint nutrition. For the activities of daily living, 
or for the stimulation of the joint-to-brain pathways that are required for the proper brain and body function and on and on. So spinal motion stimulates that brain function the same way that a windmill generates electricity for a power plant. Did you know that half of all the nerve impulses that are sent between your brain and the body in your spinal cord are for the delivery of movement stimulation to the brain. That's half. Now, this enables that brain, which is mechanosensitive, to coordinate activities such as concentration and learning, emotions, motor control, and organ function. Movement charges your brain's battery. It makes you able to think better, to feel better, to function better, all of which are essential to health and longevity. Proprioception is the term used to describe the ability to sense the position, the location, the orientation and movement of the body and its parts, all which are important to the movement and brain function and interaction. Spinal proprioception or body positioning sensors plays a critical role in modulating protective muscular reflexes that prevent injury and facilitate or stimulate the healing process. And sensation is the fundamental ingredient that mediates that proprioceptive mechanism. The joints of the body act our sensory chambers, which relay that proprioceptive information between specific neural pathways and the central nervous system. So these neural pathways, well they transport the necessary sensory motor information to the brain, which modulates muscle function. That's why an adjustment strengthens muscle by th what three weeks of weight training can do. So the disruption of muscle and joint mechanoreceptors or special sensors that detect movement, don't freak out about the word or anything, well they convert it to that electrical chemical signal or the nerve impulse. And these sensors are physical trauma results. I'm sorry, these sensors after the physical trauma results in partial, what's called deaffrontation of the joint and surrounding musculature. It turns the, the, the nerve impulse down, meaning it shuts down the joint. It turns down the nerve signal, so you have insufficient nerve firing, and this results in the diminished proprioception right? The diminished body positioning sensors. And so the sensors that also turn on nerve signaling, those body positioning sensors, this increases what they call nociception or bad stress signals, right? Just think of that as bad stress signals. And that includes things like headaches and pain. But just know that increasing nociception, these bad stress signals, well, it impacts biochemistry as well. It impacts mechanotransduction to cellular pathways even. That's the windmill analogy. Again, big term geeky Star Trek stuff here, <laughs> right? So listen, the word mechanotransduction, well, it involves any number of mechanisms by which cells convert movement sensation into electrical chemical activity like the windmill. In fact, basic science teaches that 80% of the baseline stimulation to the central nervous system, to the brain, is from mechanoreception or movement stimulus. Meaning, the movement is what sparks the brain, the mitochondria, the spinal cord, and its related structures into life. And that when we diminish movement, 
even in just 30 minutes of immobile joints. All hell breaks down in our biology, as confirmed by research out of NASA. So this predisposes the joints to further injury and accelerates the degenerative aging process because of that immobility to the joint. One specific example comes from research explaining how mechanoreceptors in the cervical facet joints of the neck, those are the joints in your neck, they provide major input regarding the position of the head in relation to the body. And with immobility-induced aging, mild defects impair mechanoreceptors function. So with decreased proprioception, the body positioning in space is impeded and the patient becomes you know, reliant on their vision to know the location of a limb. So to compensate for the loss of the proprioception in the legs, the feet are kept wider apart than usual. Steps become irregular and uneven in length. You may have notice this with yourself or someone that you love, right? So as impairment increases, the patient becomes unable to compensate. So with severe loss of proprioception, the patient is unable to get up from a chair or rise after a fall without assistance. So again, from a chiropractic perspective, we want to get proprioception back into the joints by stimulating it specifically with the chiropractic adjustment. And this is done by hands or an instrument depending upon the doctor of chiropractor that, you, that you're going to. But as a result of that adjustment, we're gonna, we start to expect to see pastoral return to normal. And in some cases, we may include things like physical therapy and exercise to help complete the healing restoration process. But chiropractic care must be done first to restore normal joint motion, normal proprioceptive input into the brain, reduce chronic inflammation and break up scar tissue adhesions and reducing nociception or that bad stress signals to the brain. Once this is achieved, a chiropractor may recommend exercise, to facilitate or physical therapy to help optimize this, but the specific chiropractic adjustments must come first. Then, for example, then the massage, then the physical therapy or the exercise is complementary to the chiropractic care. All because of that joint to brain to body dysfunction. The vertebral subluxation or dysfunctional joints are only corrected by a doctor of chiropractic. Understand? Nobel Prize winner Dr. Roger Sperry said that better than 90% of the energy output of the brain is used in relating to the physical body and its gravitational field. So the more mechanically distorted a person is, the less energy available for thinking, metabolism, and healing, he says. You simply can never heal your body, your tissues, your cells, or organs properly without healthy joint motion. It provides the neural spark to the brain and the body for health. So we have mechanical, biological issues that drive our biochemistry and our biology that most healthcare experts have dropped the ball on. The emerging science called mechanobiology is eye-opening. If you are a current patient in our office, I love you. Thank you so much for your confidence in us. If you are not a patient, 
I certainly would love to meet you someday. Go to our website, newlifefamilychiropractic.net. And also, I just want to remind everyone that we got the same 24 hours in a day. I'm no busier than you are, but if your goal is to live a happier, healthier, and fuller life, you've got to learn to manage yourself. And that means managing your movement, which drives your energy. When we better manage our energy, we're better able to be more present and vibrant and enjoy our life. We're better able to manage our five pillars of a dynamic health. You deserve a life that is peaceful, that is balanced, that is happy, where you have tons of good health. The health that you need, the health that is on demand when you need it most. You see, because health doesn't come to you, it comes from you. It is a fruit that is grown and earned. And I know we all heard the genetic cliche, the blame it, name it, and tame it with a drug approach. But the truth is, the solution doesn't lie with more drugs and surgeries. The solution lies with you. You know it's not so much of a healthcare crisis as it is a self-care crisis in our world today. Thank you so much for spending this time with me. I love you. I love hearing from you. So don't forget to reach out to me. Let me know what you thought about this episode. Do so by whatever is your favorite social media platform. Send me a message there. Let me know that you listened to this episode and what you thought of it. And as always, I appreciate it in advance. Anyone who is kind enough to write a review. That is the ultimate gift. I appreciate you very much for that. I love spending this time with you. I'm Dr. Matt Hammett reminding you to lighten up, move better, and live fuller. Until next, Dynamism Biohack.